growing this health crisis comes on down WDB to one simple fact. People are not eating their vegetables. I'm Steve Pomplin for Earthwatch Radio. The World Health Organization estimates that 3 million people die each year because they don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. That makes this diet deficiency almost as risky as smoking. And the problem is found in every country, rich and poor alike. Some of the world's most widespread nutritional disorders, including birth defects, weakened immune systems, and blindness, are caused by diets lacking in fruits and vegetables. Ellen Muehlhoff is a nutritionist with the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. She says a lot of people cannot get fresh produce. What is very important is that fruits and vegetables are accessible to people on a daily basis. That means that they must be able to either grow them in their own garden or be able to buy them in the supermarket or the little fruit uh, vendor around the corner shop. So I think that's a very important issue, availability and easy physical access as well. Mulehoff says ignorance also plays a role in poor diets. A lot of people simply don't realize that fruits and vegetables have a very important role for their health, that they have benefits not only in terms of preventing micronutrient deficiencies, but they also have very important benefits in terms of disease prevention. We are learning more every day about the important uh, protective effects of eating fruits and vegetables, such as they provide protection against uh, cardiovascular disease, against diabetes, hypertension, certain types of cancers as well. Mulehoff offers the same advice you've heard all your life. Eat more fruits and vegetables, at least five servings a day, and make sure your local schools include these items in their lunch menus. Earthwatch Radio is a service of the Gaylor Nelson Institute and the Sea Grant Program at the University of Wisconsin. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Are you ready for the end of the world? Well, that wasn't very... <laughs> the end of the world, what, has happened like six <laughs> times since the turn of the century? Yes. <laughs> so, um, I guess I'm ready. I've been ready six times. <laughs> Are you ready for the end of the world? <laughs> Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And what do you call it? How did you make it through the end of the world? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, the whole uh, Mayan apocalypse didn't seem to happen. Uh, yeah, I knew it wasn't going to because they couldn't predict that they were going to be almost wiped out by the Spanish. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, you know, they, you know, kind of left a few things out. So. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the same time, you know, the food that would last forever, Twinkie, quit happening. So for some people, I think the end of the world has happened. Yeah, I think it may have. Well, part of why I had faith, though, is that uh, the... Uh, the Cubs didn't win the World Series, so I knew it wasn't the end of the world. <laughs> so, um, there, there have been a lot of people who have, you know, t removed themselves from society to try to make a utopian society. Yeah. Um, but here's a book about a community who tried to create, uh, you know, a commune and now a collective 
It's called Voices from the Farm, Adventures in Community Living. And what this book is, you know, stories of people who started in 1971 creating a, a, a commune. In, and it's the farm now is, I think, the longest running, you know, collective in the United States. And so it's still in operation down in Tennessee. And this is uh, a few um, answers as members past and present talk about why the community has lasted so long. Mm. So it's interesting. And a lot of the stuff that the farm has created has gone through modern-day society. Midwifery, uh, vegetarianism, nonviolence. A lot of these, I mean, these were all the tenements of uh, this community. So yeah. it's an interesting little story, um, a lot of sh short stories within it. And um, I just randomly flipped open the book, and the title of this section is The Mayans Seem to Us Like Distance, Long Lost Psychedelic Cousins. Uh -huh. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about going to Guatemala after a big earthquake to help people there. So, um, and, you know, setting up, uh, soy dairies in other countries to feed the hungry. So, yeah. So it's voices from the farm. Yeah. Voices from the farm adventures in community living <laughs> and it's available from the book publishing company, which is at the farm. Yeah. <laughs> so they do a lot of ve vegetarian and vegan cookbooks. Um, and a book about their story. Yeah. yeah there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> um, are you ready for, wasn't, I thought 2012 was supposed to have some significant number. <laughs> it, it's like, when you were watching sci-fi shows, yeah. wasn't it like, in the year 2012? 2012, yeah, they would sometimes mention 2012. Yeah. Especially once the Mayan apocalypse idea got around. Yeah, so, um, I think now probably we're going to do, what, the year 2020? That kind of <laughs> Yeah, 2020. <laughs> it's just like, so, all right. In the year 2525. <laughs> Should we talk about some of the stuff in the news? Oh, uh, sure. There's uh, there's probably been news happening while we were, were away, wasn't there? Side. Yeah, we were both gone last week, right? Uh, off on various adventures. Yeah, I was teaching a solar class, and um, you were doing the holidays. Huh? Yeah, I was on a holiday vacation uh, with wow. my girlfriend, Grace. All right. We had a good time. It's like, shout out, Grace. <laughs> yes. So... OccupyUpdatesDaily.blogspot.com <laughs> You want to read something? Or? Yes. Uh, yeah, now this is, was, I was really sad to hear about this story because we've talked a little bit about Occupy Sandy. It's the Occupy movement's way of providing aid to all of the uh, survivors of the uh, Sandy storm that hit the East Coast. Unfortunately, Occupy Sandy is dealing with a heart-wrenching event as a fire roared through one of the churches where their supplies had been stored. Uh, it's unclear as of yet how bad the damage is, but the fire did take several hours uh, to knock down. Uh, many of the volunteers are worried about the holiday gifts they just strapped for survivors. So it, it's really tragic. You know, they're doing all this work to to provide aid for survivors, nice holiday gifts, and then the, a fire breaks out. But, you know, it didn't report any injuries. You know, it, it, they did get the fire put out, so hopefully they'll just recover from it. Well, I don't know if they'll recover from the fact that the FBI has recently released documents in which they admit to spying on multiple facets 
of Occupy, having surveillance as far north as Anchorage. They were apparently looking at Occupy as a possible terrorist threat. Well, this probably isn't big news to most of us, what next might be. Apparently, the documents also show that the FBI were aware of at least one plot to attack and assassinate the leaders of Occupy, and leaders is unquote, yet do not reveal if anything was or would have been done about it. So, yeah, there's leaders in Occupy. I thought that was kind of there. There is people who are like in the forefront doing things. Yeah, the leaders of a leaderless revolution. <laughs> it's like, um, but it seems very interesting to me to see Occupy coming in and helping the people who are need help after storms and you know in towns where the homeless people need to be fed and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like the people who are just the step above. You know, being homeless or in trouble themselves are helping. Yeah. And Whereas the people really high up are not helping as much. You know, I mean, or the organizations that are supposed to be helping seem to be having a hard time. Um, well, I mean, part of it is if you're exposed to that all the time, you start getting burnt out. Yeah. Or you don't have much money. Um, and some people don't understand that it doesn't always take money to help someone. Yeah. It can just be the gesture of actually helping. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes it takes, you know, knowing people who have the things that the other people need, you know. That's part of why Occupy Sandy was so good. Uh, um, it's, it's really unfortunate though to hear about this. I mean, I wasn't surprised that they were doing surveillance of Occupy. I mean, that's sort of obvious, you know, but that they, that they knew about violence that was going to be done to these members of Occupy and they, didn't do anything about it or you know they aren't didn't they even have a plan to do anything yeah they didn't even have a plan yeah i mean like i mean in theory i know this is me being naive again but aren't they there to protect the people you know uh these these law enforcement agencies they it, theoretically they're to protect the people and here they hear about these plots to you know assassinate activists and they turn a blind eye that really concerns me Yep. And we will, this is just news to us that we just got, so we will follow any additional news that we get. Because I want, I want to hear the details. All right, in other dire news, <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, but there's this thing happening called bad weather. <laughs> yeah. And it's happening because the planet is warming. Um... It's basically we still have the same weather patterns. It's just each time we have a weather pattern, instead of having what? A normal one inch of snow, we had seven. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's awesome. I like snow. Yeah, it's fun playing out in the you snow. <laughs> um, I'm sure some people don't like it. There's, but um, why, why wouldn't you like seeing the whole world clean for a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um western antarctica is warming three times faster than the rest of the world we've known for some time that temperature in the western antarctic peninsula is warming rapidly resulting in huge ice loss um and why is that ice loss critical well if ice is on the land when it melts it raises the sea level yeah so, if it's already in the water, it's already, like, displaced the water. But if it's on the land and it melts... Yeah. It's like the difference between an ice cube melting versus adding ice cubes to the glass. So, sea level is rising. The temperature at a research station in the middle of West Antarctica 
has warmed by 4.4 degrees Fahrenheit since 1958. So, and that is roughly twice as much as scientists previously thought and three times the overall rate of global warming. So, West Antarctica is the one of the fastest warming regions on Earth. And another issue is, as the ice melts, there's less white surface to reflect the sun back into the atmosphere. So it can accelerate. You know, if it reflects the sun out in the atmosphere, you know, it doesn't absorb so much heat. Yeah. I have heard some people talk about getting all the CDs. You know, you got all these CDs and DVDs that have a shiny side on one side. Yeah. And you don't need them, you know, once they're no good. So just start collecting them. And then you just, you know, lay them out on the ground. Yeah. And I think, that, do they float? They might even float. Yeah, they, I think they float. You so, do something useful with all those AOL CDs yeah. from the 90s. <laughs> if, you, if you put holes through them and hook them together into a giant blanket, you could just, like, cover the ocean, a big section of the ocean. Yeah. And that would reflect the sun back out, you know. <laughs> that might save us. AOL might save us. <laughs> they might. They might. I don't know. I, I don't know if they've got it in them. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, um, all right. Do we have any good news about the climate? Um, yeah, we've got, well, this next one is a, is a good news, bad news article. And then we get to some good news. Uh, cause this is the 2012 climate change scorecard. So, uh, uh, as our friends at 350.org like to remind us, climate change really comes down to the math. Uh, you know, you put greenhouse gas in the atmosphere and you see global warming. So here they've got a list of all these things that happened this year and, you know, how good or bad they are for the environment. Now, we haven't got time to go through it all, but we could cover some of the highlights. Like the minus, the minus column is things that reduced the amount of Aren't climate change. Aren't those low lights? <laughs> Lowlights? Yeah, if they're on the minus column, that'd be the lowlights, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, the lowlights and the highlights. The highlights of the lowlights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's the lowlights. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> uh, Obama rejected the Keystone X, XL pipeline for now. So that is <clears throat> not having that pipeline, or at least not having it yet, is going to be a reduction in emissions because they're not going to get that oil out as quickly. Uh, Australia implemented a ca- carbon tax. Uh, which is estimated to have a pretty big effect on uh, climate pollution. See, they, they, these numbers are kind of arbitrary. They give that, a na- you know, reducing climate change by two with Obama's decision and Australia's decision reducing it by four. But these are just sort of arbitrary numbers. <laughs> um, EPA announced its pollution standards for new power plants, including for greenhouse gases. So the rule goes into effect for power plants built after 2016, and it's going to curtail carbon dioxide emissions significantly. Well, I don't think they're really building any new power plants. Yeah. So that's I mean, enough. like, yeah. most of the power plants that they've tried to build, people have come out adamantly against them. They don't want it in their backyard. Yeah. So implement rules for power plants. Well, if someone tries to build a new power plant, it has yeah. to meet these new standards. Yeah, and that was one of the best ones for 2012 is that coal use in the U.S. is tanking and everyone hates it. <laughs> Not everyone, but lots of people all over the world. Uh, Finland announced plans to go coal-free by 2025. Uh, in America, yeah, coal is really on the decline. Uh, you know, they, uh, yeah, they're, lots of people are moving away from coal. Two notoriously, notoriously dirty plants near Chicago were scheduled for closure this year. So, yeah, coal is waning. I thought this was interesting. The U.S. invests in an effort to target small-scale emissions around the world. 
Um, the innovative program announced in March targets pollutants like black carbon and methane by providing improvements on existing tools already in broad use. So you can think like cleaner cook stoves and you know cleaner small scale stuff. Yeah. And so they're targeting instead of you know the U.S. instead of just staying within the country, we're looking at worldwide, you know, pollution. Yeah. So and I think that's very good, you know, to take that look at that and include it in our relations with other nations. All right, on renewable energy use continue to grow this year. So I, renewable energy could provide most of the world's power in the not too distant future. Okay. So let's see. Let's talk about a few of the negatives, too. Oh, come on. <laughs> there can't be that many. Yeah, well, surely not. Surely everything's fine with the climate. Uh, well, one, in, one of the downsides is the United Nations did nothing. Uh, 50,000 people met in Rio. Rio. Uh, people traveled to Qatar. And they had a vague promise to maybe do something in 2013. So, uh, yeah, and the UN climate report due in 2013 was leaked early. And it it's big secrets out, but it's not going to address permafrost melt, which is one of the biggest negative feedback loops in the warming cycle. We were just talking about that, you know, like it relates to what we were saying earlier. So the fact that the UN isn't actually taking any action on the issue is a big concern. Another big concern is the presidential campaign was all about how great coal is. <laughs> As the U.S. decided who was going to lead the country, the options about which was that were which were presented failed to suggest that they'd lead on the critical issue of climate. So, um, both Romney and Obama French kissed the coal industry for extended period of time, which is as ugly as the image sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like. Yeah. Okay. The House of Representatives uh, is full of anti-science people. Oh, come on. Say what it says. Yeah, there. it says continues to be run by scientifically illiterate jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Just, okay. They're definitely pretty anti-science in, in some of these. Uh, it's ironic to me when they have people on the science committee who are anti-science, you know. They voted 223 times to help the fossil fuel industry and its other polluting friends. And they were ignoring efforts to reduce carbon pollution, working hard to oppose environmental regulations... I mean, the, the the fossil fuel industry is making money hand over fist. Yeah. and They're getting I mean, what they paid for with these politicians. Also, there you go. They're getting <laughs> what they paid for. Yeah. But um, the politicians are screwing the people in the process. Yeah. You know? And this just blows my mind. The House Science, uh, the incoming chair of the House Science Committee is an overt climate change denier. How can you be on a committee about science and deny that human-caused climate change is happening when there's over 98% scientific consensus uh, on the issue. In other bad news, coal may be dying in the U.S., but it's booming overseas. A report from the International Energy Agency suggested by 2017 coal would pass up oil as an energy source. And most of this is in uh, China, of course. Um, the World Resources Institute suggested that the world has 1,200 new coal power plants in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, that's good for us because we provide a lot of the coal, mm -hmm. and yeah. so we get to ship it to other countries. And, of course, the pollution is not going to come back to us. That doesn't happen. So, anything else good? Uh, let's see. 
still a lot, a lot more bad ones. <laughs> it's like the the overall the net tally according to the people who wrote this article was that it was more uh, more climate harm than climate help. Uh, so I guess better luck next year for the climate. <laughs> we that, I read another article about New Year's resolution that the Earth's New Year's resolution for this year is to uh, take action on climate change. <laughs> But uh, we do have a couple articles about things people are doing to respond to climate change. You want to get into some of those? Well, I did want to talk a little bit about the wind industry. Um, the wind oh, industry yeah. is probably going to come to a complete halt. I know a bunch of wind got installed at, like this quarter because the tax credits are set to expire. And, um, you know, basically some of the pro-wind legislation also is set to expire at the end of this year and there's no there's no uh, plan to reapprove it yeah and so wind has been installed like mad this year um which is a good thing yeah it's good but then it's going to be a boom bust kind of thing right so that's very hard on an industry um which is why i say we just need to get rid of every incentive you know rebate tax credit but that means we have to get rid of them for the other industries. <laughs> yeah, you know. oil, fossil fuels. Yeah, I mean, there is really no need for us to subsidize the fossil fuel industry, you know, 50%. Yeah, you mean we shouldn't be giving our tax dollars to uh, transnational corporations that are making record profits just to help them do their job? I don't, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, if they were having problems, maybe we could help them out. Yeah, but well, I mean, I mean that's... They, the... They're making profit. Yeah, they're making lots of profit. profit. You know, that's the whole premise of these subsidies is like, well, we need energy to survive, so we're going to give a bunch of money to the oil companies. If they're making these huge profits, I don't think we're in danger of suddenly not having this fuel. <laughs> okay, so let's see. In good news. In good news. Seattle mayor calls for cities' pension funds to dump oil stocks. Uh, we've mentioned this, this trend. Uh, student groups at 192 colleges and universities are calling on their schools' endowments to sell off stocks in fossil fuel companies. They were inspired by a 350.org campaign. Uh, now the campaign is spreading from campus to City Hall. Seattle Mayor Mike McGinn is now calling on his city to strip fossil fuels from its two main pension funds. So not just oil, but fossil fuels. Yeah. That means coal also. Yeah, that means coal, that means natural gas, that means fossil fuels. Seattle has 17.6 million invested in Chevron and ExxonMobil, as well as similar investments in other companies. But they're making profit. Like, <laughs> keep your money with the companies that are making profit. Yeah, well, even see, if they're doing bad things. <laughs> I'm like, I know Hitler made a profit. I mean, for, for a, a little while, time. yeah. I mean, he, bu he built a big army pretty quickly. You know, for a while he was doing business, but you don't always go with people making profit. And it, it's exciting to see the Seattle mayor uh, realizing that. Because, you know, it's tempting. You know, Chevron, ExxonMobil, you're trying to... We know in, in Illinois about the challenges of meeting pension funds for, you know, employees of, of uh, states, state employees. You know, so it's, it's tempting to say, oh, we'll just buy the most profitable stocks. But what if those stocks are engaging in activities that are making life uninhabitable for humans? You know, the... Then you got to make a choice. Come on, it's money. It's money. <laughs> yeah. Money's first. What are you talking about? <laughs> money first. Okay, so Seattle is is making a step for the green, along with the 192 colleges and universities. So yeah, that's I've heard there's even an effort starting here at SIU. 
Uh, that's what I've heard. Energy conservation gets gamified. I think I pronounced that right. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, um, they're talking about using digital technologies like smartphones and cheap sensors to take the, the phenomenon to a new level of saving energy. Basically, infusing mundane activities with the excitement and instant feedback of a video game. <laughs> yep. I mean, they've actually found this out that, um, you know, if you have a whole house energy monitor and it's sitting around on the counter and you see how much energy something uses, you will use less energy. Yeah. I mean, I have this happen over and over when I put a solar system in someone's house they start paying attention to how much energy they're using because then their solar system is more valuable. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, wow, that dryer really sucks the energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, um, the dryer really doesn't because I only do one load a week, but leaving my computer on eight hours a day actually uses more energy. You know, I mean. Yeah. So. So, yeah, and they took this principle and turned it into a game because uh, 75 utilities are using a service called O-Power that awards badges to customers when they reduce their energy consumption. You know, they can compare their progress with friends and broadcast achievements on Facebook. So it turns, it turns into a game where the goal is to reduce your energy consumption. That's pretty fun. Yeah, we should look at it. O-Power has a Facebook app and... You know, you can show you how your energy use compares to your neighbors. Yeah. I actually did run one of those apps a while ago, and um, my energy use was about a half of what my neighbors were. But um, I didn't brag about it. <laughs> I should. Yeah. It, it, if you had this game, you'd be bragging about it. <laughs> yeah. To let my friends know that, hey, 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 look at me. <laughs> I'm saving money. I'm yeah. saving the environment. And I still got a big TV. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we should get to ha uh, happenings. I want to mention this headline, though. A school district saved $1.5 million just by turning off lights and stuff. And stuff. Yeah. It's a school district in suburban Seattle. Uh, turning, turning off lights, you know, computers, that sort of thing. So, yeah, energy conservation. Well, I like it that they actually go through when school goes out and goes through a checklist to make things, everything shut off. Yeah. I mean, there's no school during summer. Turn everything off. Yeah, I mean, that's it like... makes perfect sense, and it <laughs> takes just a few minutes, you know. <laughs> so sorry. So, um, that's a 34% reduction in the district's energy bills. So. Yeah. All right. Today, um, there's only three days left of the year. <laughs> yep, it's oh almost over. 2012. All right. Let's see. Sunday, well, let's see, Saturday is TikTok Day and the anniversary of the YMCA. YMCA. Sunday is Bacon Day and No Interruptions Day and Oh My Day. That's No Interruptions Day. I got to interrupt you. You almost, <laughs> like, um, oh my, there's a lot of bacon and you're going to interrupt me and say that bacon's from a pig. <laughs> yeah. Pig out on bacon. And Monday is New Year's Eve. Uh... Leap second adjustment time. Oh, wow. Yeah, leap second, it's like a leap year, but they have to add or subtract a second to the year. <laughs> it's like, make up your mind day on Monday and the universal hour of peace and world me 
peace meditation. I wonder if they actually do that around the world. Do everybody say, up, oh, <laughs> stop shooting for an hour. Yeah. I <laughs> just like, I remember reading a story that, that, that happened on Christmas Day. Yeah. Like these, like during World War II, these two sides were shooting and then like this music started and then they both stopped shooting for like, and they all came out into the center and like just talked for a few minutes. Yeah. And then they went back and started shooting at each other. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that too. So peace is possible, if only for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Monday is also make up your mind day, but I haven't decided if I'm going to celebrate it or not. I can't make up my mind. <laughs> Tuesday is the first day of 2013. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. It's also polar bear plunge or swim day. <laughs> and locally, it is stone soup day. Yes. The Sierra Club always has their annual stone soup on the first day of the year, so. Yeah. That's a good segue into happenings. Uh, let's see our happenings. We'll start with that one then. Uh, the stone soup. Uh, let's see. It's always the first day of the year from, you know, lunchtime, 11 to 3, and it's Giant City Park. Yeah. Shelter number two. And that's the shelter that has that big stone fireplace. So it doesn't matter how cold it is, there, there'll be two pots of soup, one vegetarian, one not, and you just bring stuff and you toss it in there. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the two fireplaces, and then, um, what do you call it? Come around 11 a.m. to contribute to the soup, and then, you know, there'll be multiple um, hikes. Yeah, there'll be hikes, you know, all sorts of all sorts of fun activities there. And I mean, I've been there one year. It was like iced over, and people still took a little hike. You know? <laughs> yeah, or a little slide, because up the hill was a hike, but coming back was just like sliding, <laughs> slip and slide. All right, and we have the Winters Farmers Markets. Uh, that's happening Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. to noon at Thomas School, 1025 North Wall Street in Carbondale. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it is the holidays, and um, the Good Samaritan Food Pantry really needs food. They're asking people to donate holiday items for their food boxes so they can pass them out. The pantry is open Monday and Fridays from 9 to 11. And so that reminds me, I collected a box of stuff, and I need to go. I've never actually brought stuff there, huh. but I collected a box. Yeah, so now you get to take it in. And today is... Friday, so. Alright. Anything else? Um, oh, yeah, we've got, we'll mention this one even though it's not coming up yet. The second annual Chris Mahana Kwanzaadan, uh, the holiday party over at Guy House Interfaith Center. That's coming up on Saturday, January 19th at 7 p.m. They have live music, uh, snacks, uh, silent art, auction, all that good stuff. We'll have more details as it approaches. Will do. I hope to see you on the radio next year. Next year, in the future. <laughs> Just like that. Enjoy the snow.